I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome to another episode of View from the Bridge. The Premier League season is over. Chelsea can forget about the last 12 months to an extent. And uh, they tried to do that quickly with the announcement of Mauricio Pochettino on Monday. The news we've all been waiting for. And we will start off there. But first, uh, I'm Scott Trotter and I'm joined by Bobby Vincent from London. How are you doing, Bobby? I'm good, Scott. Thank you. And how relieved are you for the season to be over? Yeah, um, I am. It's It's been a long time coming and I think this season has felt even longer. Well, firstly, because Chelsea have been you know, so bad. Also because of the World Cup as well. I think that made it feel a lot longer. <clears throat> um, but yeah, the last sort of few months really as soon as you know top four was gone and any European football was gone Chelsea out of the cups Champions League was done it's just been it's been a drag really um yeah you made the point on Sunday when we were at Stamford Bridge it just how long ago does it feel that Thomas Tuchel and Antonio Conte were scrapping on the sidelines uh, yeah I can't believe that was this season It it just feels like a lifetime ago um that Tuchel was even here and it's only been, what, like eight months or something? I don't know. Um, but it's absolutely mental. And, yeah, like I said, it's just it has, it has been a drag ever since, you know, Lampard, Lampard's been appointed because it was just sort of to see the club over the line, really. <clears throat> and they really crawled over that line. Um, managed to go unbeaten in the last, um, the last two home games, which I guess is a bit of a positive, but... But yeah, that's about that's about as much of a positive you can take from it. And yeah, I'm I'm just looking forward now to you know um, the summer transfer window, even though that's going to be really busy. Uh, and then obviously you know the preseason games under a new manager who we'll, we'll talk about. And yeah, just just an, another new start, and just hopefully things are a lot more positive next season. Yeah, and um, it does seem like the club are keen to get underway with a new start. Monday saw the appointment of Mauricio Pochettino, a two-year deal with the club holding the option for a third. And then Tuesday morning, we've seen uh, the appointment of Chris Jurasek as the new chief executive officer. 
Tom Glick will be making his way out. Um, he was president of business, but he is going to aid in that transition. Lots of jobs for Chris Jurasek to kind of oversee. We're obviously still waiting for an announcement over a new shirt sponsor. Um, and with that will obviously come new kit. Uh, it's been pretty quiet on that front thus far. I know Allianz was kind of talked about um, briefly, but yeah, lo lots to do. And, and you've just made the point off air um, a year on. It still feels like Chelsea are sorting a lot of things out. <laughs> Yeah, um, yeah. There's still there's still a lot of changes going on behind the scenes, and <clears throat> excuse me, you'd you'd like to think now that a lot of it is done. Um, I know there's still talk of someone else possibly coming in from the in the transfer team, but it, it looks more or less settled now. With you know Christopher Vival, uh, Paul Winstanley, Joe Shields, etc., all there, and now they've got their man in Mauricio Pochettino and. Hopefully it can be a. Hopefully we can just see some stability now because it's just been, it's just been you know another twelve months of changes all over the shop. Summit we thought we we'd stop seeing once um, Roman Abramovich left, but so far under um, Todd Bowley and Clear Lake, it, it's kind of been a similar situation. So yeah, I'm just I'm just hoping for some stability because that's that's what the fans want. That's what. The club needs that's what every top club needs because if you don't have that then what happens on the pitch is obviously affected and i just i just don't think it's a healthy way for the club to run so yeah i'm just hoping for a bit more stability yeah uh, i think that's a really good point um i know i wrote in my kind of end of season piece uh, like chelsea the the men's team certainly hasn't had any stability this season it, it's been chaotic at times and you know perhaps in the last two decades Chelsea have thrived in chaos at times but this season it has not been you know successful in any way for the men's team but areas where there have been stability the women's team they provided plenty of success again FA Cup Premier uh, Women's Super League sorry and then of course the stability on the development team with Neil Bath and Jim Fraser they really rebounded well from a year where they were nearly relegated to challenging for the league title and obviously the likes of lewis hall coming through has been a really big boost for those guys but we, we will start with potch he was announced on monday um he's not due to start work until the start of the 2023-24 season which i guess normally will be july um we probably are expecting to do some work before then i think maybe maybe not officially but you know things will be busy at Chelsea already I imagine Bobby yeah of course and like you said <clears throat> the next month or so until he officially starts his role there'll still be things he's doing and I'm sure he'll I'm sure we'll see some photos where he um, meets the players meets you know um, the owners again the board uh, it, it's not going to be you know him doing nothing for the next month it, it, it's going to be very much um, a busy period for him and then yeah july is of course where sort of pre-season gets underway the transfer window opens obviously and and i expect you know he'll be trying to get we're trying to get a head start on them both really as much as he can without you know officially starting the role so they'll i think there's already been talks about um what they want to do in the summer in terms of transfers and i'm sure he'll be keeping a close eye or have people keeping a close eye on the training sessions uh, whenever they can because you know he, he, he wants to get a he, he wants to get a head start because 
even though but even it's a good time to appoint him because he's got a whole of preseason to have under his belt before uh, his first competitive game. But it's, it's still not enough time for a manager, and he, he's still, he still would want more time in an ideal world. But yeah, really exciting. You know, he's a he's a good character. I'm looking forward to um, press conferences with him. I think I, I think they'll be good. I really I really liked him when he's been at other clubs from an outside point of view. Um, and I think what what he has done at the likes of Spurs, Southampton, less so with PSG because he, he perhaps wasn't given enough time there. But he still he still won a, a league title there. I think it's been fantastic, and I think it seems on paper like an ideal fit because because of Chelsea's squad being very young. Um, I worked out just then out of the thirty two players, I think it averages to about twenty five. And that's with the likes of Aspilicueta and Kante who could leave, who are both, you know, early 30s, Aubameyang as well. So it's a very young squad full of full of talented players who have been underperforming all season. And I think if you had to pick a man to get the best out of them, it might be Pochettino because he's shown where he's been at, whatever club he's been at, that he's, he's got the best out of players who perhaps weren't playing at their full potential. And he's also... You know, players who have played under him have spoke very highly about what what he can do in a man management sort of uh, sense. So I I think he is the ideal fit, and I I would just love to you know watch some of the training sessions, some of his first training sessions, because again, preseasons preseasons a tough time for like every club, especially at that level. But with Pochettino, he's supposed to be a bit of a madman when it comes to fitness and some of the like podcasts or interviews I've listened to in recent weeks. Um, saw one with Ricky Lambert, who of course played with him at Southampton on Alex Goldberg, Alex Goldberg podcast. And um, he was just saying how, you know, how intense his training sessions were and how it would make the players feel sick. And I think Chelsea, I think Chelsea players, maybe some of them are looking forward to it, but maybe some of them are dreading it because it's going to be an intense summer. Um, in America, of course, when they get out there, and Pochettino is going to be wanting to get his players as fit as possible for when the season starts in August. Yeah, definitely um, a big area that has come under scrutiny at Chelsea this season. But yeah, great point about the youth players. I know against Manchester United, I think the average age was about twenty-three, and that they said that included Asper Lequeta, who was thirty-three, dragging that average up, and uh, I think Kepa. Ariza Blago was the only other one older than 24 on the pitch, which is, is nuts. It really is. And shows that there is a lot of potential uh, in this Chelsea squad. And I guess, who, who are you looking forward to seeing under Pochettino? There's a lot, to be fair. Um, I, I've still got hope for Mudrick coming good. And, you know, it's an, it's, an, it's an easy comparison to make, but what you sort of did with like Son and Deli Ali at Spurs, you, you're hoping he can sort of do that with players like Modric, I think Madueke's got a lot of potential, loads of potential. I think he's shown that, you know, in this this last bit of the season. But he, he just need there's definitely bits where he can improve um inside the box largely. So those two those two especially, I think I think it'll be really interesting to see what he does with Havertz, um, what sort of role he has. Because he's gonna be he's gonna be wanting to sign a new striker. We've heard that. Um, so it's interesting to see whether Havertz will drop back, um, or he'll, you know, be maybe a backup number nine, or who, who knows. Obviously, Nkunku's come in, and 
we're we're all looking forward to seeing Nkunku because of what he's been doing for Leipzig in the last few seasons, and it'll be good to see him under Pochettino. But yeah, there's loads um, just for younger players. You know, Chukwemeka, Lewis Hall. Be interested to see what sort of role Lewis Hall has in that season. You know, because those sort of performances he's been producing week in week out in the last few weeks. You could argue that he he could actually compete with a, compete for a place with Ben Chilwell, which seems like a big jump, but he has been that good, and I think he I think he is that good. I think he's a special talent. So yeah, there, there are a few, um, and obviously like the new signings, whoever they whoever they may be, you're going to be looking forward to see. Yeah, definitely. I guess for the final time this season, we will look back at a game. Um, Chelsea, of course, played Newcastle United, who in many ways, have done what Chelsea would have liked to. They've qualified for the Champions League. They're singing from the same hymn sheet under a new owner. And uh, I guess Newcastle fans arrived for a bit of a party at Stamford Bridge on Saturday afternoon. They made plenty of noise. Um, But it it was a a fairly entertaining game, I would say. Um, One all, of course, Newcastle getting that goal um, through Anthony Gordon, who, of course, was linked to Chelsea. And I think Elliot Anderson provided the assist, a, a combination of academy and new signing that Chelsea will be hoping to, you know, produce many a time next season, I'm sure. And then, I guess, somewhat fittingly uh, for Chelsea's season, an own goal from Kieran Trippier uh, provided the equaliser after some good work from Raheem Stone. And in, in fairness, he's quietly, you know, produced quite a lot of, goals and assists given the quality of, of Chelsea's season of course he, he would have expected more uh, but he played pretty well but you know it was a reasonably open game I think Chelsea probably showed that they, they did lack that cutting edge in the box once again uh, Newcastle probably showed the intensity of pressing that Chelsea haven't always been able to sustain this season and I, I guess what did you think of it Bobby I guess it, it did feel like a bit of a an end of season game perhaps no real jeopardy on the line maybe not everybody's thrown everything into every defensive moment all the time, but but still pretty good. And, you know, it, you take it with a pinch of salt given Chelsea season, but maybe an okay performance from them. Yeah, you're right. It did, it did feel exactly like an end-of-season game. Uh, the weather was lovely. It was proper sun shining down on us, and it, it was a really good day, to be fair. No, no team were that asked about defending at all. It seemed um, it was more just, you know, it was quite end-to-end at times, which I, I guess it kind of was at Old Trafford as well, um, just a few days before. So maybe that sort of shows how Lampard approached the last few games. And to be fair, like I, I think they did well at Old Trafford. Um, I know the scoreline suggests not, but I think their performance wasn't too bad, apart from some poor defensive mistakes. And I think you can say the same about um, Sunday as well. Uh, Newcastle started off better and they obviously got that early goal and then they had a few chances through I think Almiron had a couple and they just looked very dangerous on the break but Chelsea got sort of a foothold in the game a bit after that and they deserved their goal in the end they were very fortunate but like you said it was good work from Raheem Sterling he, he had to look good under Lampard in recent games so that's good to see and I probably should the last question as well when you asked me who I look forward to seeing I kind of forgot about Sterling but I think I think him under Pochettino could be a could be a force. Yeah, it it, it was a very end of season game, and uh, it was a it was a good day to be fair. And like you said, you got to take things with a pinch of salt. But I think I think for the most part, Chelsea probably were the better team. I think if 
think a draw is probably a fair result, but if if one team perhaps deserved to win it, I think Chelsea, because I think their second half performance was a lot better. But yeah, it you know, it was a it was a very it was a very different Newcastle side to what we've seen for a lot of the season and um yeah, you've got to take it with a pinch of salt. Yeah, and you know, as with the final game of every season, it does lend itself to a farewell moment for a lot of players. Obviously, Chelsea could be looking to move on a lot of their stars this summer. We we don't know exactly who, so maybe there's a lot of uncertainty over who, who was saying goodbye. But I think one man who certainly seemed to to take his opportunity to to you know appreciate the crowd and, and give a bit of a clap was Ruben Loftus Cheek when he when he came off in the second half. I think he might have given Enzo Fernandez a bit of a hug and then Cesar Spaquilla a bit more of a sustained hug as well. And then, you know, clapped the crowd, had a bit of a turnaround wave to them and then, and then came off to, you know, it was a pretty good stand innovation. But we've heard about the links um, between Chelsea and AC Milan over his signature and that's something obviously we're aware of. But, you know, perhaps a departure for Loftus-Cheek seems even more likely than we expected. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Yeah, it, it definitely felt like a goodbye from Loftus Cheek. Um, I sort of turned to you at the time and said it. It was very. It it did seem quite emotional, and I think he's been at the club now for almost twenty years in total. I think he's been there since the age of eight, so it is going to be emotional. And what he's been through as well for his time at Chelsea, um, some horrific injuries, that Achilles injury a few years ago comes to mind, and that really did sort of halt his progress because he, he is still a really good player and I, I think he's a you know if Ch- I think Chelsea would ideally like to keep him as a squad member um, for the you know for the rest of his contract almost but uh, I I completely understand him wanting to move on and become sort of a key player somewhere else and AC Milan who look like the favourites to sign him at the moment is obviously a really exciting proposition Champions League semi-finalist uh, a young side um under a good manager and obviously you know the, the lure of living in Milan in Italy um, but yeah it, it definitely seemed like a goodbye uh, the, the the clap sort of all around to all ends of the stadium and then hugging like you said Enzo Fernandez and Asper Equator it felt like um, that was it for Loftus-Cheek and it was nice because you know Chelsea fans not not all of them have always been his biggest fan but it it was a it was a nice reception and a few chants of Ruben as he was coming off, but yeah, like you said, I I think that probably was his last game for Chelsea, and 
with like like with a lot of these players, you you just want Chelsea to sort of get it out of the way earlier, get get it done because Poch is going to come in and want his, you know, he's going to want a group of players that he's actually going to be able to manage next season. He's not going to want he's not going to want some of the players who could potentially be leaving and you know whose futures are up in the air. He's going to be wanting a sure a sure thing and so. If Chelsea had to sell off the cheek, then you want them to get it done pretty early. Yeah, and um, obviously, you know, the opportunity for goodbye was once again present at full time when the the lap of honour was made by Chelsea players as they, you know, kicked footballs and other kind of memorabilia into the crowd going around the stadium. Um, it was one thing we were certainly keeping a close eye on, trying to peer over the people in front of us to see how all the players were interacting um, and their reactions to the crowd. Obviously, Angolo Kante is, as things stand, set to run out of contract come the summer. Um, I know I saw one jealous who suggested he said, we'll see, um, when somebody from the crowd shouted out, uh, asking if he'd be around next season. Um, Mason Mount, probably the primary person everybody was watching on Sunday, uh, given the, the possibility that he departs this summer, I think. He was one of the kind of last players to start making the way around the pitch. Um, really seemed to take it the moment in with Ben Chilwell, one of the last players off of the pitch as well. Um, and I guess you did see a bit of a, a moment with Ben Chilwell and then he went on to hug Lampard where, if nothing else, he, he certainly seemed to be taking in the significance of the crowd's appreciation for him. Yeah, and yeah, I think Chilwell sort of put his arm around him and you, you don't want to read too much into these things, but he, he certainly did look emotional and me and you spoke to a few journalists after the game and they sort of agreed as well. Uh, it, it looked like a lot for him. And that could be, that could be a number of things. It could be, he might not even know himself at this point because there, there's been no indication that he's told Chelsea he wants to leave. It's just, yeah, there's a lot of things going on and he, we just don't. We don't really know what's going on in his mind. It, it it could be that he's played his last game, which you know was against Real Madrid, I think, in the Champions League because of his injury. And it it, it was an emotional day for him, regardless of whether or not he's going to move this summer. So, who knows? And I don't think it's going to be one that gets resolved. I was just talking about you know Chelsea wanting to sell their players quickly if they're going to leave. I think Mount probably is the one. That it's going to take time because of you know his high profile. It's going to be big money if he does leave. Plenty of clubs interested in him. I think there's like Man United, Liverpool, Arsenal, and obviously Chelsea still Chelsea still wanting to ultimately keep him. And I'm I'm, I'm sure there'll be one last effort from the club to push forward and get him to sign a new contract. But whether or not that does happen remains to be seen but yeah he, he certainly looked emotional and I, I think Chilwell putting his arm around him sure, sort of showed that and like yeah there's pictures of him hugging Lampard and he did come back out on the pitch as well um, I was in the mix zone trying to get an interview with whoever would stop and Mount sort of walked uh, instead of walking past the journalist he just walked across the pitch with, with a man who I didn't know who the man was but the man also had his arm around him and he, he, he just kind of looked like he was taken in his surroundings. So, yeah, I mean, we don't want to read too much into it, but he was definitely emotional. Yeah. But I guess if you do want to read things into it, there was no way of goodbye. There was certainly no 
definitive moment of, of farewell. So I think more than anything, it's probably an acknowledgement that it's possibly a big moment for him in terms of maybe coming to the end. But, you know, a lot can change in football. Um, it's still it's still there. The transfer will be open, you know, in a couple of weeks' time. And then we'll have that until, until September. And, you know, Mount still has a year on his contract. And there's a great deal of possibilities, even if things haven't worked out very smoothly and trying to get him to extend so far. Um, I guess another player I did just want to touch upon, Cesar Aspilicueta, he was the last player off the pitch. He seemed to have a big kind of moment with Lampard again. Lampard waited for Aspilicueta before he head down the tunnel. Um, and Aspilicueta did seem to have that you know significant moment of thank you around the crowd. He had the banner before the game that was really pretty cool uh, and I'm sure very much appreciated. And Lampard did say in his press conference, that we don't know what's happening with Aspilicueta yet. I guess a year ago, many people expected him to move on. Barcelona were linked, but he was kind of persuaded to extend his deal, to, to stay and, you know, help in what was going to be a tumultuous time for Chelsea. Obviously, they'd already lost Antonio Rudiger and Andreas Christensen. Um, and Aspilicueta was captain, and we've seen over the course of the season, there perhaps aren't many obvious leaders in this Chelsea squad, so his presence probably has been pretty important. Um, he does have another year left on his contract, but if there is that sort of moment of, you know, perhaps he, he could leave this summer, perhaps it's the moment to leave this summer, obviously Chelsea are going to be uh, bringing Levi Colwell back in terms of another player-to-player centre-half. There's no shortage of those, and Malo Gusto will return from... I say return, he will end his loan at Leon and join up with the club um, on a permanent basis for the first time. So there will be depth on the right side of defence as well. Um, I guess, you know, as Piliquet has won it all for Chelsea. Um, do you just want to say a few words on him and then his role this season, maybe? Yeah, I, I'm glad he got that perception because uh, he, he hasn't been his best for a couple of years now. I don't think that's, I don't think that's too controversial to say, um, but it's nice that Chelsea fans still remember him as the sort of player he was, because he was, you know, he was one of the best fullbacks around and he's even done brilliant jobs in, at centre-back before. And it, like, like the banner said on um, Sunday, he is a legend of the club. He's, he's won it all, quite, quite a few of those as captain. Um, he, he is an absolute legend at Chelsea and he, he's one that won't be forgotten for a while. But it's just, yeah, these these last um, probably couple of years, particularly sort of this season, in the second half of the season, it, you have seen him probably at his worst for Chelsea, coming up against really tricky wingers, really speedy wingers. And I think the way wingers play nowadays as well makes it so much more difficult for fullbacks to deal with. Um, but I, I, yeah, I think he did well against Manchester United the other day. Um, but before that, the game against Man City, I think he was, you know, he was being torn a new one by um, Cole Palmer in quite a lot of the quite a lot of the first half. And I think he had a difficult job against Saint Maximin the other day as well. Who's, you know, when he's when he's playing well, he's impossible to defend against. So, but yeah, it, it is good to see he deserves that reception. He deserves more than that reception, but. It, again, it did kind of look like it could be his farewell. And Lampard, you know, the, the fact he was an interim coach as well 
kind of made it even less his job to comment on the players' futures because quite a lot of managers would be quite coy with it anyway, even if they were permanent managers. But because Lampard was, you know, his contract was essentially up by the end of that game, uh, he was very tight-lipped and didn't speak too much on anyone's futures. And, you know, that's fair enough because it's, it's definitely not his job to do that. But I, I'm sure there's, I'm sure there's a plan in place for Asby and for Chelsea as well because... Like you said, Mad Augusto's coming back. Coming back, but it's weird to say it because he's coming back from alone, but he's never been at Chelsea. So it's kind of weird. Um, but he'll he'll be back up and support to Reese James, who's obviously struggled massively with injuries this season. So he, he should get a lot of minutes next year. And there, there's not really a place for Aspi. Uh because, like like you said, there's another centre back coming in as well. I, I just don't really see where he gets into the squad because Chelsea have a difficult Chelsea have a real difficulty of picking a squad anyway because the amount of players they've got and the fact that they're going to try and trim it down this summer I think I think Aspi leaving now probably is the best thing to do because even though the season's been poor he's still been such a legend for Chelsea and I think now probably is the right time to leave yeah and of course you noted there Lampard uh, his time at the club has once again come to an end. He did have an opportunity this time to say goodbye to fans. He didn't really get that as a player. Um, obviously, last time he departed was was the COVID era of football, so no supporters there to uh, kind of say goodbye. And, of course, he, he, he was sacked, so not necessarily the best circumstances. But this time, you know, he was able to get some appreciation from the crowd, as he has done for a number of weeks, despite... A pretty difficult time as Chelsea boss. I don't think I don't think they recorded a win at home. Um, and yeah, it it has been difficult. And in that press conference, he was perhaps a little bit more loose lipped over the situation at Chelsea that he was dealing with. He still didn't go too specific, but he noted that the size of the squad was probably the biggest challenge. He said he could be honest now that um his time to come to the club and said standards had dropped collectively. Um, and, you know, he kind of hit on about those points about not being physically competitive enough. Uh, the dressing room perhaps wasn't together enough, enough. There wasn't enough, you know, vocal people. It was a quiet dressing room. And I think a few other things he said, the, a lot of players who were disillusioned, whether it be, you know, from seeing their future elsewhere quite a long time ago, whether it be not being happy at being picked, and you know that there obviously are a lot of problems and you know perhaps hints at just how big a job Chelsea need to complete for Pochettino arriving officially in July. Yeah, it's, it's such a big job and been writing a few things over the last couple of days about what he needs to do and I've had to narrow it down to like four things otherwise you just sort of be writing forever but like Lampard's job in a way was effectively to you know get a lot of information about the squad and almost do a handover to um, Pochettino and I'm a club's board about you know who's who's training well who looks like they want to be there I, I think a couple of weeks ago we spoke about some players not being committed enough and that was quite telling and perhaps that explains some of the you know some of the shock team selections that we've seen, and a lot of a lot of Chelsea fans on Twitter being surprised by it. But 
at the end of the day, he's he's the man who sees more than any of us, and I think he I, he, he did say he did speak a lot about basing a lot of his team sessions on training as well. So I, I guess that was a very important part. And we don't we don't get to see many training sessions, apart from the odd one they they um, live stream. But yeah, it was not it was nice for him to say farewell as he played that down a lot. He said he, he's going to be back loads, and you know you wouldn't put it against you wouldn't against him coming back in some role of a club i don't i don't think he'll come back as manager again not for a third time um but in the future perhaps somewhere somewhere on the board like we've seen with pet check um for example so that he's going to be coming back to stanford bridge we didn't he didn't want to do the whole emotional farewell and but it was nice to see because like you said it was um covid the first time around and he didn't really get the opportunity as a player so it, it was good to see that and i I think I said it a few weeks ago on the pod. I, I have a massive respect for Lampard for coming in and doing it because it was a very brave thing to do where he didn't need to do it. And it was almost almost definitely going to be uh, sort of like a like a negative string of results, basically, for him because, because of how Chelsea were and the Graham Potter and how the squad was. And, the, yeah, there was just no... From the outside, it seems like there isn't too much squad harmony and the confidence is at an all-time low. So it was always going to be a really... It's going to be an uphill tack, um, challenge. And I have respect for Lampard for coming and doing it because it could potentially harness his um, reputation as a manager, which wasn't too high anyway after after being sacked by Chelsea and Everton. So I've got a big respect for him for doing it. And, I mean, he comes out and he says he enjoyed the experience. So that, that's all we can go off. But... It, I think he would have really, really struggled at some points because there, there wasn't a lot he could do a lot, a lot of the time. Um, perhaps team selections were a bit strange and maybe you should have given a few more youngsters a few minutes when there wasn't much to play for. But yeah, I got, I got nothing for respect for him for coming back and giving it a go. Yeah, definitely. And, you know, I guess a season, the vast majority of people are pleased to over on the whole, but we will... Just take a little bit of time now to to have a look back on the season as a whole. Um, ahead of the game, Chelsea announced Thiago Silva was player of the season. Lewis Hall won the academy player of the season. I think also it got released yesterday that Sompto Boniface was the scholar of the year. So congratulations to the three of those. And Conor Gallagher won the goal of the season. Uh, Football at London, we're also running our own. Player of the Season Award. The contenders, of course, are Thiago Silva, uh, Kepa Ariza Balaga, Enzo Fernandez after coming in in January, and also Lewis Hall. Um, who would you like to win that for us, Bobby? And I guess just for everybody at home, you can go on the football.london website. Our poll pretty much in every article we write at the minute and, and place your vote as well. I don't think uh, I don't want to influence Aaron Aston's decision, but I don't think there's too much competition really. I think it is Thiago Silva. Uh, no one was particularly surprised at um, Stamford Bridge when it was announced on Sunday, um, particularly because he was actually the face of the program. So that was clapped to him. Uh, yeah, he, he's been brilliant, and he's. He, well, I mean, me and you do player ratings um, week in, week out, and we we kind of alternate. And I don't. Don't think there's many times this season I've gave Thiago Silva below a six, and I think six is pretty much the average. Um, he, he he's a terrific player and 38 years old, and he's doing it, you know, at the highest level in the Premier League and in the Champions League as well. 
he doesn't I know he had that injury, but he doesn't pick up too many injuries, which is you know sublime considering his age and how many games Chelsea play a week. Lampard spoke about it. Potter spoke about him too cool. How how he conducts himself on and off the pitch is just is how every you know aspiring professional footballer or professional footballer should look to do it because he's 38 years old and there's I mean he's obviously going to have to retire in the next few years because you just simply don't play for that much longer over 40 particularly if you're an outfield player but he looks like he could just go on and on and that's credit to him I, I think he's obviously he used to be a lot quicker he was actually very quick at one point when he was in his prime probably at AC Milan PSG but now he's sort of adapted his game to where he covers a position so he perhaps doesn't have to run as much. And I think that's just his football intelligence is supreme. And that's why you're still one of the best centre-backs in the Premier League, which is absolutely crazy to say when you're nearly 40 years old. But I think it has to be him. Especially a shout-out to Enzo Fernandez, who's literally started every single game since he um, came in from Benfica in January. And he's looked very good as well. I was just talking about player ratings. I, I can't think of many times I give them below below a six. He just seems to always be involved in some way and uh, his passing's exceptional. He's probably the only Chelsea player who looks at that ball over the top. Um and there's only a you know, there's only a few players who actually make that run as well. I think that's something that Pochettino should be working on. But I think yeah, Fernandez is brilliant. I think he's a big upgrade on Jorginho, who, you know, had had great times at Chelsea, but I think to directly replace him with Enzo Fernandez is amazing. And if, if they can find someone to partner Fernandez in the summer, talk of um, Ugarte from Sporting Lisbon, perhaps if he comes in and more of a defensive player than Enzo, I think that could be something that really works next season. I'm really looking forward to seeing Enzo next season, you know, with a preseason under his belt because he's had a very long season as well. He's, you know, he played pretty much every game for Argentina when they won the World Cup, played for Benfica before that and just played in every game for Chelsea. So the fact that he's even on there after signing, what, like three or four months ago is mental, but absolutely deserved. And I I, I guess that's a lot more down to Chelsea's season than perhaps his his performances, but not too many standouts. And again, Lewis Hall, brilliant, what he's done. Um, He hasn't played actually that many games, but I think think he's played against Man City like four times or something. quite a lot of them being away from home and he's looked really good in all of them and you know this last run of games when he's come in for um Chilwell he's also got an injury I think he's looked amazing and he's 18 years old so he's just going to keep getting better and better yeah when when putting the list together I think like you Thiago Silva the standout candidate particularly early in the season he was phenomenal um but I didn't the more I've thought about it recently Lewis Hall Maybe he hasn't played enough games to win the award, but I think he's probably provided me with the most, I don't know whether joy is the right word, but enthusiasm, the most highs um, this season for Chelsea without kind of being burdened by everything that's went wrong um, in a lot of respects. And yeah, really excited to see what Lewis Hall can go on and do. Really interested to see what Chelsea are going to do with them next season. Um, you know, I guess in one respect, you think alone, go and guarantee that first time football. But as you noted earlier, maybe he's in competition for a first team spot now. Um, I guess there's another decision to make on his position. Obviously, in the first team, he has been pretty much exclusively at wing back 
for Chelsea, but he did make his debut in the FA Cup last season as a left centre back and one man on the match on that occasion. He prefers to play in central midfield. I, I, what do you see for, for Hall next year? Do you, do you think he's going to be at Chelsea? Is he on loan? What position is he going to be in? I, it's a really difficult one to call because you'd think Kukure will get another year at least. Um, didn't have a, didn't have a great season for Chelsea, especially. I don't think the sixty million price tag helped him at all. Um, but that's the way it, that's the way it is. So if Kukure stays, then potentially alone. But I think you keep him around. Especially for the first six months, just to see how it goes, and maybe give him one in January if, if you know, Bukarest and Chill, because you got to remember as well, Chillwell, a bit like Reese James, has been consistently out for the last couple of seasons with injuries. So if he get if he gets injured, then you just got Bukarest, and then you know you're you're clutching your straws a bit of left back. So I think keep him about, and if he can come on and get some minutes in centre mid, central midfield, I think that'd be amazing because, like you said, he wants to play there. And he's definitely got the technical ability to play, but I think technically he's one of Chelsea's best players. I mean, for an 18-year-old to be taking corners and free kicks, uh, you know, I think you noted the other day he was doing that against Newcastle, which was like in November, I think, just before the World Cup um, in the away game. So it's not just been a recent thing either. He's technically brilliant. So I think he could, you know, on paper, he could do a job in centre mid. I know it's a completely different thing, but he's obviously played there for the academy. I guess it's kind of similar to what we've seen with Trent at Liverpool recently, where a lot of young players, especially central midfielders, do when they come into the first team, they do drop back to fullback. Steven Gerrard did it at Liverpool when he was younger, um, and then they sort of make their they, they ply their trade at fullback for a bit, and then they get promoted, if you like, to centre mid. Um, but I don't I don't think because he's playing left back now, Lewis, or it means that he'll stay there for the rest of his career i think it's just something that a lot of young players do and then eventually they'll prove to the manager in training or whatever or the odd appearance off the bench that they can play in their favorite position and sort of start playing there so lampard said the other week about trevor jalaber he didn't didn't want to tie him down to one position necessarily and i think that's kind of a case with Lewis Hall as well because i think it's great to have someone who can play left back left wing back center left center back central midfield and you know who probably the wing as well so yeah but i i think he's been brilliant and i like i i would keep him i think at least for the first few months and then just assess the situation in january if he's not getting any minutes and playing for the academy a lot he's too good for that he's too good for the academy now i think he's outgrown that um but yeah i, I definitely keep him for the first few months at least yeah and just to finish off if you got any moments of the season that have been a particular highlight or i guess anything like that yeah, we were talking about earlier um, the two cool Conte stuff, which is great to watch. Really, um, <laughs> it's fascinating stuff. It's you know two managers, two very entertaining, charismatic managers just clashing at the end, and it just turning into a you know an absolute bloodbath with players and staff getting involved. It was great to watch. Um, what else? Uh, I think I think Chelsea's Champions League group was good. I think they played that really well in. A potentially quite difficult group. They 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 cruised past Milan and who obviously went to the semi-finals in the end, which I, I guess a lot of Chelsea fans were probably quite surprised about because Chelsea made them look very ordinary. Yeah, twice as well. Yeah. Yeah. Um I think the Borussia Dortmund home game um was very good because that was sort of 
probably Potter's only real big statement win that, which is a shame for him. There was one that I remember Potter on the sideline that game was very um, animated and it was something like we'd never seen before with him and it almost felt like a turning point. It's obviously not proved to be that. Um, but the atmosphere there was incredible. It was probably the loudest I've heard Stamford Bridge this season. Um, and the Dortmund fans as well were, were really good to see the away fans. Um, that was really, that was a really good experience. So yeah, like you said, there's not not many um, particular highlights. It was good to see Enzo Fernandez that signing, uh, really entertaining player, and one that you know he could definitely be in Chelsea's team for the next five to ten years, really, if um, all goes well. So yeah, I, I guess there's some standout moments. What about you? Yeah, I think the, the first ones that came to mind were those AC Milan wins. Um, obviously, things seemed like they might have a bit more of a promising start under Graham Potter then, particularly in Europe. Um, as you know, Conte Tuchel was amazing viewing, if, if not a particularly, you know, overall positive thing. Mm-hmm. Um, did I, I guess the one that stuck out, and this is mainly because I mean, Conor Gallagher obviously got goal of the season, but the, the one that came to my mind seeing the goal of the season award was um, the Kai Havertz goal against Leicester. That's probably yeah. one of the, th- the clips I've replayed most. Um, brilliant pass from Enzo Fernandez, little lob, and then obviously the brilliant finish. Um, yeah. And there haven't been many goals this season, so it's easy to remember the good ones, I think. But yeah, yeah. That, that was that was brilliant. Um, but yeah, it, it has been tricky, and obviously you don't need to tell Chelsea fans, but I guess any positive has kind of been tinged with how poor the season has been overall. Um, it's, it's difficult to you know, find those positive moments. Um, but yeah, Lewis Hall's emergence as well, I think has been really good from, from people for the opportunity. These last few weeks, as he said, he was denied the opportunity to, to go with the under-20s for the first time for that World Cup. And he's really taken his opportunity in the team. And I think now we'll head away for a training camp with England and 21s, um, who's also never featured for. So really excited to see what he can do. And yeah, I guess... You know, for many people, maybe the highlight now is having Mauricio Pochettino named as boss and Chelsea can move on to 23-24 and dream of better things. Yeah, that's the big thing now. There's a beacon of hope, finally, for Chelsea fans, I think. Um, Just hope it plays out a lot better than what happens with Graham Potter. I think the club needs to, you know, address the situation a lot better than they did. They, they need to realise that he does need time. He can't afford another sort of knee-jerk reaction in that way. They need to give him time because it's not going to happen overnight and no no manager in the world will be able to do it overnight because there's so much to do. But yeah, I'm looking forward to next season under Pochettino, definitely. And I guess I've said to end um, many a time, but... What what is your prediction for next season? Where will Chelsea finish in the Premier League? I think I think Europa League. I think fifth, sit for fifth. I, I think Champions League will be too tall of an order because I think you look at Man City. Obviously, probably going to win it again because um, they'll improve again in the summer somehow, and they're just ridiculous at the moment. I think it'll be interesting to see what Arsenal do. I think they're, they're supposed to have an expensive summer, a few midfielders coming in potentially. But if they can perform to the level they did have this season, then it should be an interesting one with them, Man City again. Uh, Man United, the same. I think Eric Ten Hag's a great manager. I think he's done a good job there. And with Man United, they're always going to spend big um, in any transfer window. 
and then you got Liverpool who massively underperformed the season, but it's, it's almost going to be like a new look squad for them next year. It's the start of something new. I'm not sure about Tottenham. I, I guess we have to see who they appoint first because there's no sign of any manager coming in there. Um, and then, yeah, you got, there's always one surprise in there. I guess this season it probably would have been Brighton. Um, obviously, Newcastle, I forgot about Newcastle. They're, they're, they're going to get stronger as well. They're going to spend some money. They look a great team at the moment. So it, there's such competition to get in the top four now. I think more than I can ever remember in a, in a Premier League season. So I think top four would be too tall of an order. But I think, to be honest, if, it, if Chelsea can get sixth from fifth, but, and maybe this is a sign of a standards dropping, but I, I, I do think that would be a success in Pochettino's first season because the results probably, bar a miracle, aren't going to be there, really, considering what's happened this season. So you, you, you've got you've to take any bit of progress you can with... You know, good performances, even if it ends in a nil-nil draw or something like that. You got, you got to look for bright sparks, and hopefully, for Chelsea's sake, you can get him into the top four. But I just, I don't think that will happen this season, next season. Yeah, I think possibly a chance that fifth spot, maybe a Champions League spot as well, with the changes to the Champions League. I think so. It will. I think it depends on the coefficients and stuff still. Um, but yeah. yeah, I think like you. I think hovering around that sort of fifth, sixth, maybe challenging for fourth at some points uh, with a good start. And But there is a lot of work to do at Chelsea. There are a lot of teams competing for all those spots now. Um, obviously, of course, big tests for the likes of Newcastle and Brighton, who will be competing in Europe for the first time, uh, Chelsea without that. So maybe they, they can push on, um, but a lot, will be to do with how much they can hit the ground run under Pochettino this summer, how quickly they can get that identity and, you know, start scoring some goals, winning some games. And, you know, we, of course, hope that will happen next year and Chelsea can find their way to success once again. Um, we'll end things there for now. Um, we will be back again next week talking about Chelsea, um, running down you know, as, as long as it will take the, the whole squad to see where their futures will lie next season, maybe a bit of income and transfer business too. Um, but thank you for joining us and thank you for joining us over, you know, these tough weeks as Chelsea supporters um, towards the end of the season. Um, of course, you can find all our work at football.london once again. We'll be recapping the season, moving on to the latest transfer news. And, you know, as well as in the podcast, we'll be writing plenty about the futures of all those Chelsea players as well. So thank you very much for joining us and speak again next time. Yeah!